Hey everybody, this is Katie. Um, I just want to give y'all a heads up that our audio had a little bit of echoing for this episode. Um, We figured out the problem, so we'll make sure that doesn't happen again. But anyway, just thought I'd give y'all a heads up that we are aware, but we will definitely make sure it doesn't happen again. So I hope you enjoy episode three. So, April, how are you? Dirty. Tired. My eyeballs burn. Yeah, we've been uh, camping. We're actually in Katie's tent. Yep. Recording our third episode of Hot and Cold. Numero tris. I'm sorry, I was trying to think (laughs) of another language (laughs) that I could say three. (laughs) Do you know any other languages? Nope. Oh. None. Well. So, yeah, we've been camping for the last two nights. Well, mm-hmm. I've been here for two nights. April got here yesterday. In April, I hear you have a crazy one today. It's the worst, absolutely the absolute worst things you could think of to happen. Me and Katie were expecting to record this episode here camping, and then I left my notes at home. And so we've been by the fire the last two days trying to write rewrite our notes. Yep, and with like family members being like, what are you writing about? <laughs> what are you doing with your podcast thing? And we're like, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's then a secret. <laughs> one of our aunts was like, hey, I know someone who you can talk to, but just don't tell her I told you to talk to her. <laughs> what we're doing is very embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We should be more embarrassed about what we're doing with our time. Oh, April, you know what, though? I have a gift for you that's okay. in my wallet. Stay wild. Oh, is that a sticker? Yeah. Cute. It's just a sticker Aww. that you can put on, I think, anything. Got it at the gas station, so. Well, I bought my dad's four-wheeler, his old one from that we grew up riding and learning to getting our four-wheeler license on. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it and fixed it up. I didn't do anything. Josh did. But yeah. I'm going to put it on there. That'd be fun. Nice. Thanks. No prob. I'm excited to see what the story's about. Oh, and side note, guys, we went on a ghost hunt last night. We'll have to tell you about it yeah. later, but it was so fun. Okay. It was so fun. Here we go. I'm going to start all the way at the beginning of this. So this is the gruesome murder, murderer, murders. <laughs> <laughs> You're off to a great start. <laughs> no, I've already failed. Okay. This is the story of the gruesome murders of Brenda and Erica Lafferty. Never heard of them. You haven't? Wait, what's their names again? Brenda and Erica Lafferty. No. Okay. Listen. Did you know about the story before you researched it? No. But I thought I heard you mention it to me, and so I was like, oh, I gotta do it. Oh. Uh, Fair warning, though. (laughs) Okay. There's a trigger warning of, like, murder, guys, that's violence. Um, But also, there's, uh, what am I thinking? Religious tension, I guess, and confusion and misunderstanding. And, uh, you know, I have to be fair and say that we live in Utah. So a lot of stories here are not centered around but have some elements of religion. Right. Just the culture here. Yeah, we don't mean to offend anybody if if there's you know religious issues or things that we say but I mean it's just kind of a part of the culture here so it's kind of hard to not have anything have stuff to do with religion so if you might get offended about religious uh controversy maybe some of our episodes might not be something you would want to listen to so we'll give fair warning at the beginning of any episodes that have something about it. Yep, and if you'd like, you can usually skip ahead to the haunting story. Yeah. So you can always skip ahead if that's something that really bothers you. Yeah. Skip ahead and see. You're welcome to listen and hate me too. That's fine. So let's start at the beginning. Watson Leroy Lafferty and Claudine Jones, they were married in the Salt Lake Temple, LDS Salt Lake Temple, Together, they raised eight kids, two girls, and six boys. The kids that we're talking about in our story, though, are three of their sons, Ron, who is the oldest, Dan, who's six years younger than Ron, and then Alan, who's the youngest, but I don't know how old he is. And you said there were six boys total. Six boys total. And we're talking about three of them. We're only going to be talking about three of those. Got it. 
So they grew up in Provo. Their dad, Watson, was a chiropractor. He ran his practice outside of his home. So Watson was a disciplinarian. He was strict and he's very by the book, like no nonsense type of guy. One of his sons actually accidentally shot himself in the stomach with an arrow and he told him he'd have to suffer until morning because he broke the sabbath what like watson was also very untrusting of the government and modern medicine so very traditional and like you know you can kind of get a sense for what this guy is like so the brothers growing up ron the oldest in 1960 he served an lds mission in florida he came home and married diana and soon had their first daughter carolee so when he returned from his mission got married real fast dan who's the middle boy uh, 1966 he served an lds mission in scotland who is actually the first of his family to leave the country he actually met his wife matilda there while he was on his mission and they married when he returned from his mission but she had two daughters from a previous relationship already okay and then they had one daughter between the two of them in 1977 dan went to school to be a chiropractor just like his dad when he was in college this is when he kind of started to have similar beliefs like his dad with anti-government anti-everything while he was in college Dan and Matilda, his wife, ran a successful sandwich shop out of their home oh. to get through college. They're just, like, making sandwiches for people on campus, That's I guess. a good gig. Yeah. <laughs> that actually kept them afloat while he they were going to school. So, like, Dang. it was their income. Everybody needs a good sandwich. <laughs> right. But then the health department and IRS caught wind of their business and shut it down unless they paid taxes. But this pissed him off and completely stopped paying all taxes. That's the opposite, buddy. Right. And he <laughs> revoked his driver's license he tried to stop paying even sales tax when he went to the grocery store so was he just trying to like remove himself from society like he was totally trying to just be like nope i don't have to give you anything of mine like you have no power over me but obviously he had to pay sales tax most of the time but it pissed (laughs) him off every time yeah dan felt that the lds mormon church had strayed from the original teachings of the book of mormon joseph smith and polygamy so polygamy started where you know you can marry more than one woman only mostly it was only the leaders of the church or higher up in the church that got to practice polygamy mm-hmm. and they could have multiple wives like you had to have a certain kind of priesthood is that right yeah i think so something i don't know. Had to be I I don't know but... higher up in some way to be able to have multiple wives mm-hmm. and he thought it was weird that we, they no longer practice that so he was like the modern lds teachings are completely straying away from how we started and it's not okay mm. and this started the fundamentalist lds church the flds i oh. mean they didn't start it but i mean they that concern that it wasn't how it used to be that was what started it yeah it was like the modern lds church that did away with polygamy the flds were the ones that wanted to continue got it so he began holding meetings in his home preaching against the government and the power they have over people as well as the lds modern teachings so he you know was trying to bring back the old ways of the lds church these meetings were usually men only but most mostly the lafferty brothers Hmm. That joined these meetings. So it was like a family like church. Basically started their own sub church of the LDS church called School of Prophecy. Huh. So that's what they kind of started their own thing. So Alan, he was the youngest brother, right? Mm-hmm. He really was into it. Like he really enjoyed everything that his uh, brother Dan had to say. Well, and his, his older two brothers had already served missions, yeah. right? So he's probably like, well, you guys know. You know exactly <laughs> you, what you've been doing. outside the bubble to go see what's out there in the world and... I can see how, as a younger sibling, like, you would want to look up to your siblings and be like, yeah, "Yeah, like, I totally, I'm buying into every word you say, you know? And so he was really, really interested in everything his brother Dan was trying to teach. Alan was trying to get his wife, Brenda, to follow them as well. So he's Mm -hmm. like, come on, like, you've got to listen. This is really great stuff. Their ideologies included the idea that women were to stay home, be a mother, cook, clean, and be open to the practice of polygamy. So that's what women's roles were 
in this school of prophecy. Brenda was not cool with this at all. She was mm-hmm. strong-willed and educated. Alan and Brenda met when Brenda was going to BYU and Alan was going to Utah Technical College. Um, she was a journalism student and a broadcast anchor for University Channel KBYU-TV. Dang. So a little history about Brenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born July 1960 and grew up in an LDS family in Kimberly, Idaho. Ah. We're in Kimberly, Utah. That's right nutsos. I know. She had five sisters and one brother. She was a very bubbly and smart, driven girl. And they, so Alan and Brenda had a daughter together, Erica, a little bit after they were married. Gotcha. So, um, Ron, the oldest, was considered to be one of the leaders, and he had a revelation that his wife, Diana, had been the wife of the devil in a previous life. A revelation or a dream? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a weird trip dream. <laughs> I know, right? Like, But he okay. kind of self-proclaimed that he's having these revelations. And he was like, yeah, Diana was the wife of the devil in a previous life and literally lost his mind. Like, Boy. totally just lost it. This is where the story gets awful. No. Okay. There's... So there's... <laughs> This revelation that started it all, okay? Mm -hmm. He called it the revelation of removal. What? Yes. Oh, no. I don't, I don't, oh, no. This is what the revelation of removal says. Quote, Thus said the Lord unto my servants, the prophets, it is my will and commandment that ye remove the following individuals in order that my work might go forward. For they have truly become obstacles in my path, and I will not allow my work to be stopped. First, thy brother's wife, Brenda, and her baby. (gasps) Then Chloe Lowe, and then Richard Stowe. And it is my will that they be removed in rapid succession, and that an example be made of them in order that others might see the fate of those who fight against the true saints of God. And it is my will that this matter be taken care of as soon as possible, and I will prepare a way for my instrument to be delivered and instruction be given unto my servant. It is my will that they show great care in his duties, for I have raised him up and prepared him for this important work. And is he not like unto my servant Porter Rockwell? And great blessings await him, for I am the Lord thy God, and have control over all things. Be still and know that I am with thee, even so. Amen. Wait, what did he say about Porter Rockwell? Porter Rockwell, I guess, was the bodyguard of Joseph Smith. And Brigham Young, right? Yeah. But what, why, what does he have to do with it? <laughs> no, it just said, whoever does this deed and removes these people prepared him for import, important work. So, okay, so, Because okay. Porter Rockwell was like... A bounty hunter kind of guy. Yeah. And like, he also did some crimes, supposedly, allegedly, for the church. Yeah. For the LDS church. So, allegedly. So, this is what this revelation states, Okay. The people who are following this church freak out. They're like, um, hold on a second, what? You know, yeah, like they're... Say, how many people were kind of a part of this at that point? It Do was you know? a really small group. So it was like a couple neighbors, the three brothers, Alan, Dan, and Ron, and mm-hmm. I think one of their other brothers, Watson, oh, okay. might have been. Um, so just like a handful of people. A handful of people, <laughs> and they're all like, what the heck? No. And this is Ron who's typing this up, right? Yeah, Ron's okay. the one who got this revelation. Dan's the one who started this group, Okay. but Ron was considered one of the leaders, and then he has this amazing uh, revelation. Got okay. It. <laughs> so it also mentioned Chloe Lowe and Robert Stowe, who were neighbors and friends of Diana and Ron. He saw them as traitors because Diana would confide in them about her worries about his outlandish beliefs. She was like, oh my gosh. So listen, Ron's losing it. He's He thinks I'm the devil's wife. Like, <laughs> he's freaking insane. And she was questioning everything and Ron blamed the neighbors for Diana not being on board with everything. And then Robert Stowe actually presided over Ron's excommunication from the LDS church. So the revelation was rejected by all of the members except Ron and Dan. Alan, it's iffy whether or not... Or his wife, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. It was iffy whether or not he knew. Like, he was there when the church was... Like, when they announced it. Because I think he was 
was in and out of like the group because one, he had a job. (laughs) (laughs) Two, like his wife was super against everything that was going on. So like, yeah. Mm. So Dan believed that the revelation that Ron had was true and it was God's will. And he would not let anything get in the way of it being fulfilled. So he's like, this has to happen. God called you to do this. Like we're going to make it happen. Okay. Oh no. Dan and Ron broke off the School of Prophecy because everyone was, like, against this revelation. Mm -hmm. Diana and Matilda, Ron and Dan's wives, Mm -hmm. were freaking out. Their husbands were losing their minds. Matilda's last straw was that Dan announced that he wanted to take his 14-year-old stepdaughter as his second wife, (gasps) who he allegedly sexually abused in the past, and that he got excommunicated from the LDS church for that. Whoa. Yeah. So she was like, nope, I'm done. This is not happening Well, at all. okay, so if he allegedly did that, and then now he's saying, oh, I want her as my wife. It's like, yeah. did you allegedly do that then? Right. Like, it sounds like you've had your eyes on something for a while. Right. That's so disgusting. He's gross. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, polygamy, it's not uncommon that they take young girls to be their wives. That's... My, yeah. I just have a personal opinion that that's very wrong. Uh, I think most people have an opinion that that's wrong. So like, that offends anybody. We, uh, sorry. I mean, it's gross. They're 14. They should be going to the mall and being awkward, yep. even though all the girls these days are cute and know how to do their makeup and hair. <laughs> and they actually know how to use eyeliner the right yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, like I use blue eyeliner and right? tried to straighten and purple my Purple mascara. Yeah, like I couldn't figure it out. And... Anyway, that's how <laughs> girls need to be. Yes. Don't marry them off to freaking lunatics. Okay. Sorry. Agreed. Um, Dan ended up marrying a Romanian immigrant, and Randick. She worked at a ranch in Spanish Fork. It doesn't really say where that marriage went. Okay. <laughs> he was technically practicing polygamy because he was still married to Matilda, even though their marriage was basically over anyway. Like they were separated? Yeah. Brenda was not afraid to stand up to her husband, Alan, about how much she disapproved of his new lifestyle and all of this stuff from the teachings and ideologies of the School of Prophecy. And this, okay, so Brenda was outspoken. She's like, this is effed up. I'm not going to be a part of this. No way, Jose. Mm -hmm. And Diana and Matilda came to her a lot and said, what the heck do we do? Yeah. Um... We're not liking the changes we're seeing in our husbands. They're losing it. And this is why Ron hated Brenda. Because she's like, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be okay with this. I mean, you're his wife, but you don't have to be okay with him taking on other women. Like, that's ridiculous. Oh, women can have opinions. And they can be outspoken? What? What? Um, (laughs) So he blamed Brenda for causing Alan to not be fully engaged with the new teachings as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's (laughs) like, this Brenda's got to go. She's messing with all my plans. So Uh, this revelation was from God, huh? Um, sounds like a personal vendetta and he turned it religious. Like this is from God, but it was really, he made it up. Yep. Just saying. So Diana ended up divorcing Ron and moved to Florida with their six kids. She pieced the F out and was like, done. Matilda divorced Dan. Dan moved out of their house with their three kids. Wait, Um, Dan took the kids? No. no, Oh. So they lived in a house with their three kids. He had to move out. Oh. Ron and Dan ended up just going on a spontaneous road trip because they're both, their lives fell apart and they're the only people a part of this church anymore. So they went on an extended road trip together in Ron's green Impala. What happens next, April? Take a deep breath. I don't know that's enough air. It's not. I feel like I'm just going to hold my breath for the next 10 minutes or whatever. It is so awful. (laughs) I'm warning everybody. This is so hard for me. I don't know if I even want to say it. So just bear with me because it's the worst thing you've ever heard. Okay? Okay. (sighs) It gets intense. Okay. On July 24th of 1984, Dan, Ron, Ricky Knapp, and Chip Carnes. So Ricky and Chip are two men that they picked up on their road trip. They were hitchhiking, and they're just like, hey, come with us. To do this thing. Well, he needs um, all the people he can get, right? Yeah, because they're like, oh, you don't have a home. We have a lot of stories we want to share, and we know the truth about life. And okay. we have a long road ahead of us, yeah. so buckle up. 
That sounds like the absolute worst road trip ever. <laughs> but these psycho dudes. Okay, so they loaded up knives, sawed off shotgun and ammunition, and headed to Alan and Erica's duplex. They arrived at the duplex at 1.30 and pulled into the driveway. They saw Brenda's car and Ron got out and went up to the door alone. He was carrying this sawed-off shotgun and a knife in his boot. Ron opened the screen door and knocked several times. There was no answer. Ron was relieved. He was like, oh, shoot, good. He was thinking that this was a test of faith and that God was like, oh, you listen to me. You don't have to do it. Okay. They had passed the test much like Abraham of the Old Testament. So if anyone knows church stuff or whatever. Ron shrugged and got back into the car. Dan was the getaway driver, right? So Dan drove away and he's like, hold on a second. Maybe it's me that gets to do this. Mm. So they go back. Then Dan goes up to the door. He stepped out of the car and knocked. This time Brenda answered. He began by asking where Alan was, and she was like, oh, he's at work. Dan recalled that he was silently talking to God and wondered what to do next. He's like, in his brain, I'm, it's mental illness, guys. Yeah. He's talking to some other identity. Another voice in his head. Yeah. He's like, what do I do? What's next? And so he pushed past Brenda into the duplex. Brenda must have known whatever was going to happen was going to end badly. Brenda says something like, I knew you were going to do something that nobody could stop. And I don't even know how soon this was happening compared to when the revelation was announced to the group and then they went and did it. Yeah. So maybe Alan was like, uh, you better watch out. These guys are nice. up to no good type of thing. So Dan pushed his way in. Ron eventually made his way into the duplex as well and saw this scene. Mm-hmm. Dan had Brenda pinned to the floor. She tried to reason with both of them, saying she would do anything they wanted and begged them not to hurt her baby. Ron began punching Brenda in the face, trying to knock her out, all while calling her a bitch and a liar. Uh, She managed to get up and run to the kitchen, but she fainted. Dan asked Ron to cut the cord from the vacuum. He then took the cord and wrapped it around Brenda's neck twice and tied it in a knot. And with the knife that Ron handed to him, he slit Brenda's throat. Sorry, it's making me cringe. While this struggle and mayhem was going on, the two guys in the car were considering leaving. They're like, we don't want to be tied to this. They were thinking, oh, let's steal the car and leave these guys here. But they ended up not doing that for some reason. It's like, dude, like when you have a chance to get out of it, get out of it. Yeah, go freaking call the cops. Yeah. Who cares what you, you know, like, you know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out of there. Okay. So this is where it gets awful. I mean, it's already awful, but worse. Okay. Okay. Just brace yourself. Okay. Dan walked down the hall. He had never been to Brenda and Alan's home before and claimed the spirit led him to Erica's room. Remind you, Erica's 15 months old. Okay. Okay. Dan talked to Erica when he entered the room. I'm not sure what this is all about, but apparently it's God's will that you have to leave this world. Perhaps we can talk about it later. Dan held onto Erica's little head and placed the knife on her neck and sliced it with enough force that it nearly decapitated her from ear to ear. Okay, okay, the, the horror, horror is almost over. So the two guys left the duplex with their clothes covered in blood, got in the car and drove away. Um, they intended to finish God's will by removing the two other people in the revelation, so Chloe and Richard. The brothers, neighbors. Yeah. The brothers arrived at Chloe's house, knocked on the door, finding nobody home. Uh, they broke in, stole some stuff, and wandered around the house for a while. Really? Did God left. tell you to steal some stuff? <laughs> right. And well, let's say this wasn't personal. Right? Yeah. For real. Feeling like they had done enough for the Lord that day, they decided against going to Robert's house. They're like, ah, it's been a long day. We're going to call it. So Alan arrived home from work around 8 p.m. that night. He walked up to the door and noted that it was locked, which was unusual because neither Alan or Brenda ever locked the doors when they were home. Hmm. Um, he entered the duplex and called her name. He saw the blood and spotted Brenda lying lifeless face down on the kitchen floor, surrounded in blood. She sustained, okay, this gets gruesome. She sustained a severe beating and had obviously been strangled as the vacuum cord was still around her neck. According to the medical examiner, her throat was cut. A six-inch long incision sliced through the trachea, both jugular veins, and both carotid arteries, and left a cut on her spinal column. So it was deep. It was 
that that takes a lot. Yeah, there was blood everywhere, all over the house, the light switches, the drapes, the walls, everything. He went down the hallway towards uh, Erica's room and found, oh, this, I can't. I'm going to do it really fast. Um, He went down the hallway towards baby Erica's room and found her against the back of her crib, head slumped over. Her neck had been gashed from ear to ear. The medical examiner determined that both Brenda and Erica were alive at the time. Dan viciously, without mercy, slit their throats. I just cannot even... Yeah. So Alan ran to the neighbor's house and called the police. Once they arrived, Alan was taken to the police department and interviewed. Sergeant Fox of the American Forest Police Department by... Oh, American Fork Police Department. This all happened in American Fork, by the way. Oh, okay. Which is my home. Alan was freaked out and shaken. He was like not a part of it Mm -hmm. you know he was very upset did he because he knew exactly who did it he knew who did it um so he or he told them that he suspected his brothers ron and dan were the perpetrators he also indicated that he had heard them speak about this revelation of removal but he he never never thought thought they'd go through with it he thought they were just talking like you all talk you know yeah Um, but here's the thing if you or Heather, sisters of mine, mm-hmm. had this hit list against my husband. I don't know. What it, like, if we were, like, radically starting a new church and we're, like, yeah. thinking that we're, you know, a prophet, you mm-hmm. know, and we're, like, okay, Mitch, you gotta go. <laughs> I feel like I would take that police? to a, Yes, I was just going to say that. I feel like I would take that to the police and be, like, my sister is nuts and I have no way to stop her. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I've done everything I can do or... There, I just know there's nothing I can do at this point. I don't yeah. know if they're going to go through with this, but it's better someone in charge knows about it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't know what the police could have done in hindsight, but it's also like, I don't know. I, I feel like I would have gone to the police immediately. Like, I would have been like, come take this crazy-ass lunatic to somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, lock them up. They're a danger to my baby and my wife, so. Exactly. Literally threatening to kill them. Yeah. On paper, written down. Yeah. Well, but in some of the trials, they're like, well, the revelation didn't say kill them. It said remove them immediately. But that could be translated to whatever. Like, it, it mm. didn't have to translate to death. It could have been like... Uh, Excommunicate. Yeah, remove them from the group. They took it a little too literally. Yeah. Anyway. I aye, aye. I know. Oh my gosh, that was the worst thing ever. That Sorry. was the worst thing I've ever heard you say in my in your entire in either of our lives. I know, and I'm sweating so bad. I've never, never those things have never left my mouth. Such gruesome, horrible things. That these guys, like this, was their niece and yes. 15 months old. That's not like they are the most pure things in this world. I know these babies. Yeah, children. And without mercy, completely just tried to decapitate this little baby. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Everybody, just don't hate me. I, I didn't do it. I just told you about it. Okay. <sighs> okay. Now for the rest of it. The FBI put out an all points bulletin for Ron's station wagon. They did locate it in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, they entered the home where it was parked uh, with their guns drawn, but it ended up being the two guys that they, that they picked up hitchhiking oh. that had the car. So were they just given this car? Um, yeah, well, I so I guess they stole the car and then parted ways with the brothers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it wasn't part of the plan. It's not a part of the plan. It was just a nice karma. accident. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A little bit of karma. Not enough. Karma. Right. So they claimed not to know where Ron and Dan were, but they did lead the police to the murder weapon. Okay. Uh, lab results revealed that the blood on the knife was Brenda's, obviously. The FBI received a tip that Ron and Dan had been spotted in Reno, Nevada at the Circus Circus Casino. This is just so funny to me. I'm sorry. When when the police arrived at the casino, the brothers were standing in the buffet line and the brothers were arrested without incident. Can you imagine? They just did the worst possible thing ever. And they're just like, let's go again. Grub. That's interesting. Yeah. So Ron and Dan Lafferty were were transported to the American Fort Court and were arraigned together for an aggravated burglary, two counts of first-degree murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. Dan chose to represent himself with the help of standby counsel. Note, if you choose to represent yourself, you're a sociopath. (laughs) 
<laughs> you are a narcissistic idiot. <laughs> Unless you're actually a lawyer. <laughs> but he's not. Okay. And do you remember Ted Bundy represented himself and it was just a nightmare? He had no idea what he was doing, but he was so confident and narcissistic. He was like, I have control over this court. Idiots. Gosh. Oh my gosh. You're You're stupid. only hurting yourself. Dan's a dumbass. Okay. Dumbass Dan. <sighs> okay. The jury returned with a guilty verdict on all counts. Dan was given two life sentences without the b possibility of parole. Woo! Woo! Yeah, success. Like, that's the nice thing about some people get what they deserve. Honestly, I think mm -hmm. he deserved way worse. But at least he has two life sentences. He would never, ever, ever, ever get out. Yeah. Um, Ron was given the death penalty, which is weird because Dan actually committed the murders. Ron was the one who had this revelation, but he had a life sentence. I don't understand. What? Wait, yeah. that seems very backwards, right? That's interesting. But I think it was the, uh, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say, but Ron, I think it was because he kind of created this like hit list. Like he was the reason that they the were the mastermind murdered. behind yeah, it. Yeah, like he was the oh, okay. one who kind of put the plan together. Yeah, I don't know much about like death penalty like criteria, <laughs> but it just seems like maybe they both needed the death penalty, in my opinion. Uh, I just, yeah, it's stupid. It is just an interesting thing. Yeah. So Ron was given the death penalty as he was seen as the instigator. Criminals were given the choice of how they wanted to be executed, and he chose firing squad. Um, the two hitchhikers, Chip and Ricky, originally faced some murder charges in the case, but agreed to testify for reduced charges. Okay. So they were like, we'll be witnesses. Prior to his trial, Ron attempted to commit suicide in the Utah County Jail, it's claimed that he caused mental damage as a result. He spent several months in the Utah State Hospital for evaluation. Attorneys actually tried throughout the years to appeal his conviction based on his mental status. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that was after the fact. I mean, yeah. you have to be mentally ill to even cook up this kind of psychotic yeah. stuff. It's like, okay, so but his brain doesn't work as good now, but that's fine. Right. He's still in jail. <laughs> Shit, my phone's going to die. Okay, I got to hurry. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. So anyway, they never were successful. He did receive a retrial in 96 and was again convicted on all counts and sentenced to death. So mm -hmm. he actually retried and got the death penalty again. Wow. Um, in 2008, a woman named Christy Strack began writing to Dan in prison. Uh, she was only eight when he committed the crimes, but after she read about the case, she became like obsessed with him. Ew. Yeah, gross. In 08, she contacted his daughter, Rebecca, to arrange to meet with him. Soon, she and her husband, Benjamin, began visiting Dan in prison. So this lady and her husband were obsessed with him. They mm. would talk about the end of the world, life, family, religious philosophies. And Dan claims that him and Chrissy fell in love and Benjamin was like, cool, whatever. I'll be a third wheel, I guess. I'm fine with it. But the last time Dan saw them was in 2014. <laughs> Hold on. This is effed up. He had cut off his long hair and beard and had given it to Christy. He even indicated that he wanted his ashes to go to Christy when he died. Christy had often expressed her thoughts about taking her life and that of her kids in order to leave the evil world behind and due to her fear of the pending apocalypse. Dan encouraged her to do it. On September 27th, 2014, Christy and Ben gave three of their four children a methyl or a lethal mixture of methadone, prescription medication, and cough syrup before ingesting it in themselves. Their bodies were later found by Christy's oldest son by a previous marriage who wasn't in the home, so he had nothing to do with any of yeah. this. He was an older kid. Dan proudly takes credit for the family's death. So he's not dead yet, Dan. No. Dumbass Dan. He's still in prison in Utah. Ron actually died in prison November 11th, 2019 of natural causes when he was 78. He spent 34 years on death he row. He should not have made it that long. I know. He spent 34 years on death row, one of the longest stays on death row ever at the state prison. Dan Lafferty is 72 and he's serving out his life sentence at the Utah State Prison in Draper, Utah. He doesn't get any visitors from his family. He stated in an interview that the killing of Brenda and Erica has never haunted or bothered him. And that is the absolute worst story I've ever told about yeah. the murders of Brenda and Erica. Lally. I'm just glaring at you, but it's not because of you. 
But it's like this, I don't know what it is and I've never understood it. How logical people can just flip into like psychotic yeah. cult leaders. And then, and also still never feel guilty. Because they thought it was from God for some reason. Like, what makes you think that it was God's will? Because you did it. Okay, if that was God's will, okay, mm -hmm. he did it. Right. He hurt and killed, removed these two people who had nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. But I got him in prison, so what the heck? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think so that thanks, God would God. be like, Oh, you deserve all the blessings of life. But maybe they're like, Oh, well, we didn't finish the job, so of course we didn't get good things. But I really think it was Ron's personal vendetta against these people. Brenda, because she was trying to help people realize they didn't have to follow this thing. And then the other two that did the exact same thing. And then the baby for no reason at all. Maybe so that Alan didn't have any distractions. I oh, don't know. Maybe. But I think it's disgusting. That is horrible. But I'm just telling you, if you're in a cult, get out. <laughs> Believe whatever you want, but gosh, stop! don't hurt people in the process. Like yes. That's the biggest thing. You can believe whatever you would like, but do not hurt others in your path. Because then it's not real. Sorry. Okay, bye. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had to study that. Honestly, it's been kind of a nightmare. But yeah. it's fine because it's like it's one of those things where people need to know that if they see signs of mental illness and er erotic behavior, erotic? Nope. <laughs> what is it called? What is that called? <laughs> erotic. Uh, what word were you trying to think of? Um, sporadic? Sporadic behavior? That sounds wrong. Anyway, <laughs> if someone's freaking acting like a psychotic lunatic and is thinking that they are called from God to hurt people, run away, call the police. like And stay away from them and lock your doors. Yeah, even if it's your brother or your brother-in-law. Get a restraining order. Mitch, watch yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, that's my story. I'm done. I'm sorry. Everyone listen to that. Don't hate me. I'm just the messenger. I mean, it's fine. It's not. It's your job. Anyway, so we are. Katie is distaste for my existence right now. I just, like, I see it all over uh, your face. I just am so upset by that. I know. So, my references were from Wikipedia, obviously, and then an article, Crimatorium by Madeline O'Brien, where she references a book by the investigator who investigated this crime, John Krakowers, I believe. It's called Under the Banner of Heaven. He wrote a book about him investigating this story. And then he also had conflicting feelings of his own religion going through this whole thing. So he has this book, Under the Banner of Heaven. Check it out. It's really good. And they're making a movie. Warner Brothers bought the rights to this story. They actually have Andrew Garfield. He was Spider-Man. And he was chosen to play the character of the investigator, John. There's no release date set, but it's in the works as of 2020. I think it was just put on hold because of COVID and all that stuff. But under the banner of heaven i'm excited to check that out actually because yeah. obviously you can't give every detail you know so yeah. i wonder like what other details can surface oh there's it. so much more to it mm -hmm. and then it also kind of talks about his own conflicts with his belief system yeah. anyway yeah check it out. all right thanks at this point if you've skipped ahead this is katie's haunted story yeah so welcome to our third episode <laughs> <laughs> okay so for my stories we always go to the location right yeah we are in Kimberly, Utah, and I'm covering a story that covers all of Fish Lake National Forest. Oh, okay. So that's where we are. Yeah. Just a little back info. Kimberly, Utah is an old ghost mining town. Um, they used to mine gold here back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it's been basically shut down since 1910 or something like that. And this mm. is a story that I've never heard of. Ooh, okay. Ever. And like, I talked to Grandma about it last night, like around the fire. I'm like, do you know the story of Block? And she was like, oh yeah. And I'm like, tell me about it. She's like, oh, I don't remember it. And I'm like, what? So like, this is something that... If you have lived in Sevier County, Utah, you know this story. And okay. if you've experienced this, it's kind of like the Sevier County Rite of Passage. Like it's... Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it's really fun. Have you experienced this? Mm -mm. Okay. No. So we are in central Utah in Kimberly. Fish Lake National Forest is a great place to camp for all types of campers. Mm -hmm. There's cabins over at Fish Lake and at Gooseberry Campground and Aquarius Ranger Station, which I've never heard of before. Me I don't either. know where that is, but there's cabins there you can rent. Huh. 
It's really good for people who just like regular camping, like pulling in your trailers and tents and stuff. Various different places have more developed campgrounds where you can hook up to water and electricity, oh, have yeah. bathrooms, um, or dispersed camping, which is kind of what we're doing where we're just roughing it and you just kind of find a spot. Is roughing it? <laughs> <laughs> Is this roughing it? <laughs> I guess we have a computer, so not really. <laughs> I mean, we're just camping. But you could honestly just like walk up a hill, find a spot, and call it a camp. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of Fish Lake National Forest. It's just an open field for anyone, as long as you're uh, not on the best. private property. Yeah, watch out for the private property signs. Respect other people's property. Respect the trees, please. Yes. Okay. Every September... We're in September. I know. <laughs> Every September, third graders from around Sevier County and like just around the area, they go to Gooseberry Campground to learn about different environmental and conservation classes and things. Oh, fun. So when they go to Gooseberry Campground, they learn about, they learn about wildlife, archaeology, stream ecology, hmm. wildfire management, how to read maps. They learn about plants and forestry. So it's like all about the outdoors. In third grade? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? I'm like, Luke's in the third grade. Right? <laughs> and it's September. What are we doing? <laughs> I guess they did it last week. Would we have met up with the third graders and <laughs> yeah. taken the class? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> could you imagine? Can oh my we gosh. join your class? I, want I can't read a map to save my life. I mean, I can use maps on my phone, but can I follow a paper map? You know, the thing about maps is that it doesn't tell you when it's uphill and downhill. <laughs> So it just says, follow this line, and you go, and you're like, up the mountain? I wish they would give you that info before you start your trail. That's all I'm saying. Well, there's, like, the, I don't know, the verbiage for maps, <laughs> but they have specific maps that, like, show the mountain. Oh, they do? Like, the, they use colors to sh explain, like, the oh. uh, elevation differences on the map. That's cool. Is it real? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but at night, the kids go and they learn about all this stuff. Uh -huh. And at night, the parents come and have dinner with all the kids and older siblings who have done this before. Like, they're welcome oh, to come, okay. too. So they have dinner and they learn about wood carving and they do a presentation on planetarium stuff. So they look oh, at the fun. stars and say, this is Jupiter. But when the sun goes down completely, everybody turns out their flashlights and they circle around the campfire. And I, they don't drop their microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Gather around the campfire and a ranger began telling the story of Annie Bangs. Have you, ever heard, bangs? have you ever heard the story of Annie Bangs? Does she got bangs? <laughs> you know, <laughs> she might. <laughs> you can just edit that out. <laughs> All right. No, I've never heard of Annie Bangs. Tell me. So they start the story exactly the same way every single year. The ranger will explain that if you want Annie to show up and to show herself, you have to sing a song. Eerie as fuss. Songs and ghosts, man. The ranger will tell everyone to sing the song together, and the louder they are, the more likely she'll show up. So okay. parents know the song. Old siblings who've done this before know the song <laughs> so all these little third graders are like <laughs> terrified right they don't know what's gonna happen you're terrifying these children <laughs> so here's how the song goes ready i don't know the tune but i'm just going to tell you the lyrics okay annie bangs you got the cutest little shiny fangs fangs that's not what i was expecting <laughs> uh, there's not another one that could take your place Annie Bangs, my heart is jumping. You sure have started something. <laughs> Annie Bangs, I like to see you in your long red dress, but with your long blonde hair, you gave me such a scare. Okay, blonde, red dress, shiny as fangs. Oh my gosh, is it a small... Then it says, oh. I won't forget you, Annie Bangs. Oh, so spooky. I know. Sorry, we had to stop for a second. What did he say to you? He just said that Levi took a shit by the river and wiped his butt with a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> we oh have gosh. bathrooms. <laughs> well, okay, go ahead. Okay, so after they sing this song, you would just feel like the energy shifts. Like, yes. all like it went from like fun, educational, ah, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, we're talking about a girl who's terrifying with fangs? Yeah. So, I it was going to be like a cute story. Yeah. <laughs> so the energy shifts, and as you're watching the fire, then you look around the trees, and you see like the light flickering off the fire. And anyone who's sat around a campfire, you know it's creepy as hell when you're like, yeah. you're sitting there, and you look behind you at the trees, and you're like, I just hope that nothing comes out of those trees. Right. <laughs> well, you'll start to see Annie Banks. Sometimes, though, Annie doesn't just show up into the trees. She doesn't just walk out of the 
trees. She like runs. And she's like, she's a human, but she runs out non-human like. Like on all fours or like, just like mangy. It's wild, I guess. Some years uh, she jumps up onto the table and will just start throwing shit around. (laughs) One year she literally picked up a child and ran 30 feet and then dropped the kid and ran into the trees. I am so glad you did not tell me this. (laughs) Right. And I remember I talked to Thomas last night. He's our cousin. He's like, oh yeah, I was chased by Annie Bangs. And I'm like, you were chased by Annie Bangs? I'm like, were you expecting that? And he was like, I don't remember if I was expecting that. And I'm like, what do you mean? So these things have actually happened. Like she really has done these things. Like with all these witnesses too? Yeah. So do you want to know the secret of why all these parents are fine to do this every year? Why? Spoiler, it's a prank. So this this uh, character that's running out is usually a hired person. So one year was a principal who did it. Uh-huh. One year was like the theater teacher. That's what Thomas said. His theater teacher was Andy Bing's one year. Oh, I see. So they do this just to freak everybody out. Yeah. But then everybody giggles and screams and, you know, like, ah, that was so scary. Yeah. Andy Bing's was just a, a theatrical thing. Everybody settles down and comes back to the fire. And the ranger continues the story. So many years ago, when the pioneers were crossing the plains to come to Utah, there was a, a family that was traveling and there was a baby in the back of this covered wagon. The wagon hit a rock in the road or a bump or something and the baby fell out. (gasps) That baby was Annie Bangs. So the family kept traveling and then who knows how much later they realized that she was gone. And they're like, well, we don't know when she fell out. It's been too Um, long. We can't really go back and and find her. So they just left her. How do you not? How young? Infant. That's all that I know is just infant. I mean, mean, if you thought your baby was sleeping in the back of a wagon, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, let me check on them every five seconds. But you think if they fell out, they would probably cry. Right. And be ran over by something. Yeah, I don't know. But they left her behind because they were like, we're too far. We don't even know where she dropped out. So they decided to move on. I wouldn't, by the way. I wouldn't either. But then again, I've heard, like, not with this story, but I've heard that when, when the pioneers were traveling and if somebody was needing to be left behind, they just were. Because it's, I mean, it's, they're like, well, we have, like, all these people with us and that one infant fell back. Who knows how long? Like, you guys can go back, but then you're on your own for the rest of the trek. Yeah. You know, so either you stick with us or you're on your own to go find your baby. I'm assuming that's how it kind of went. Yeah, probably. I'm sure the mom was like, Ugh. So the legend goes, a pack of gray wolves heard the desperate cries coming from the infant and the pack took in the infant and raised her as their own. I want to know how real that even is mm-hmm. because like, like you hear all these stories or legends of wolves raising a child. I'm like, I always wonder if yeah. that's even a possible thing. I've wondered that too, because I'm like, you would think that the wolves would just eat the baby, you right. know? Because the prey predator thing. Yeah, but if it's a baby, so I wonder if it's like a Tarzan situation, you know? <laughs> like when. Because that's so real. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, gorillas took care of him just fine. Well, like their side of it, though, was that he wasn't a threat, you know? Yes. Yeah. Was... But how threatening are squirrels? They eat them all the time. <laughs> Good point. I mean, we're, we're just saying. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> so she lived as the wolves did. She became a ferocious and wild person. She is said to have a terrifying appearance and could attack very violently. Some say at night, while you're camping in the Fish Lake National Forest, you might hear the howling of a wolf or coyote, or it could be Annie Bangs. Hmm. Or all the kids that we had earlier were howling like wolves. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Down really by were. the little stream. Making the dogs nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but people say that Annie Bangs haunts the forest looking for her next kill. You know what's weird is I don't think wolves are like that. I mean, they prey yeah. on things, but I don't think they, like, they, like, go in a pack and they I don't know if they are out to just kill things. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they do say that Eddie Bangs, she's drawn in by children. So that's kind of why it's so creepy for kids, especially like this third grade like camp thing is because she is drawn in by children's laughter and she's drawn in by children singing and like just kids in general. She loves kids. Not to hurt them, but that she's drawn in by that. So it just kind of makes you you creeped out. Yeah, we have some giggly kids. And they've been all over these trees, so. We'll ask them if they've seen Annie Banks. <laughs> I think they'd freak out. <laughs> they would. They'd be like, Who, who's that? I thought there was bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, they say Annie Bangs has lived here for more than 100 years, but she possesses a supernatural ability in a way. They say that Annie Bangs is timeless and not bound by death or any human morals. She is survival, she is rage, and she is terror. And she is what haunts the Fish Lake National Forest at night. The end. 
Oh, I'm so glad you did not tell me that last night as we were on our four-wheeler in the dark ghost hunting. Right. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I feel like there's, it's impossible for there not to be things in the forest that Mm -hmm. we can't explain. We don't know everything. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. We don't know everything. (laughs) And I think it, there's just bound to be paranormal happenings that we don't understand. Maybe not an actual threat, but airy enough Mm -hmm. to feel threatening. People, I guess, who believe it, they say that she just is terrifying looking but on purpose she tries to make herself look scary to other humans so they don't mess with her yeah that, that's like her ability is like to be scary as f wow yeah spooky right so i gave you a sticker yes <laughs> <laughs> it has trees and a campfire and it says stay wild oh i should have said stay ah uh, yeah I can add the gas it. station didn't have that option <laughs> so code for it gas station cheese slacking yeah don't they know their local legends <laughs> yeah don't they know someone needs to tell them i'll let them know hey um can you just take a look at your stickers and add annie bangs to a couple of those uh they say that annie bangs oh yeah i was gonna say the richfield high school theater department they put on a play about annie bangs and added in other details which the legend i think varies quite a bit yeah, I think most legends kind of have their own spins. Yeah, because I did even hear like an origin story about how her family, it wasn't that she fell out of the wagon, but that they stayed in the cabin at Gooseberry, and then the family didn't survive the winter, but the baby did. And oh. then the wolves saved her. Oh. So I did hear that story, but I, oh, I found okay. more of the one where she fell out of the wagon. So okay. I just went with that one. Anyway, so the drama department, though, at Richfield High School, they were saying that, like, the reason why people are so interested in her story or the reason why it keeps living on is because it's a reminder to stay wild. You know, don't be so human. That makes sense. Like, don't be so... Don't be so cookie cutter, man. Yeah. Don't Grow be square. <laughs> Wear a red dress every once in a while. Be blonde. Crazy run out of the trees every once in a while. You Pick know? up some kids. Yeah. <laughs> Toss them if you want. <laughs> I don't know. Get on top of the table and start throwing shit around. <laughs> so anyway. Sometimes we just gotta go batshit crazy every once in a while. Every once in a while. As long as no one gets hurt. But don't throw kids. <laughs> <laughs> we take that back. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, so stay wild. So me and April wanted to talk to everybody that's listening about a episode that we're going to be doing once a month. It's called Bring Your Own Booze, where you can email us your own personal paranormal stories. And we'll email you back to set up a time that we can have you share your story with a microphone in front of your face the way that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We just feel like that way you would be able to explain your story a little better than us just reading it off a piece of paper. Yeah. So if you are interested in sharing with us your story, um, definitely email us and let us know that you want to share it. You can email us at stories at hauntandcold.com. And it doesn't have to be local to Utah. It's called Bring Your Own Booze, and we will supply the drinks. So you just have to supply the booze. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's possible these recordings could be local if you're local to us, but if you're not, then it will set up something to where we can record a conversation like virtually but that way we get to know you your story and it'd be fun to have you guys a part of this so yeah and then if you're just a listener watch out for those episodes um i believe our first one's going to come out on halloween so october 31st sweet all right well that's episode three of haunt and cold Do you have right. anything else you wanted to add no all right <laughs> mm, okay, okay bye, bye.